0: Let's do it.
1: And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Jr.
0: Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerwido from the St. John Sea i And Braden Holper for the Saskatoon Blades. Gabriel Landescog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Katrille from the Drummondville Voltageur. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This
1: is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfires. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA.
2: Hey, this Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University.
1: It's Alex Turcotte. Hey, it's Kale McCarve. Hey,
2: this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's
0: Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Baron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Faraby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Roberg of the Team Sweden. It's Elliot Hall-Lennon. Hey, it's Nikola Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Eberle of Team Canada.
1: The NHL
0: Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Kunim from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Zerry from the Cameron's Blazers. I'm Alexander Holz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanderson, FS for Team USA. Braden Schneider, Katie Dooley. Here's Mark Rossi. I'm from the other Senators. And more.
1: Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show.
3: Hey there, it's the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Welcome to another episode. If you're a returning listener and if you're a newcomer, then welcome aboard. And if you are a patron at patreon.com, well, big thank you to you for that ongoing support. Uh, really, really appreciate that. You keep the lights on here for the Pipeline Show, and I uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. Also, thanks to everybody who has been uh, leaving ratings and rankings uh, wherever you get your copy of the uh, Pipeline Show from. There's been a few new ones uh, at iTunes. So uh, thanks to Bo Diddley a Diddley for uh, his review or her, her review. And uh, Jay Lambert and uh, Fandashangawamba Dunkadunk. I, I don't know what all those letters mean in your handle there, uh, but I appreciate that uh, review as well. So uh, keep those coming. I like to see that because I think there are probably people who are just searching through podcasts and they might come across the Pipeline Show, not really have any idea what it is and uh, what you say about it and your rating uh, might encourage them to uh, give the show a try. So uh, thank you for doing that, and I hope that uh, more of you will do the same. Let's get right to it. Question of the day I put up on Twitter uh, this morning. As I'm speaking with you right now and recording this, it is uh, Friday afternoon, I guess, technically. The question, as I worded it, goes like this. Uh, Teams from Europe and the States will start arriving in Alberta in just a few days. Everyone then quarantines for five days inside the Edmonton bubble, And then the pre-tournament stuff begins. Uh, Teams will play a couple uh, exhibition games. And then the 2021 World Junior Championship, it starts on Christmas Day. The question of the week, how confident are you that there won't be COVID problems during the event? And tell me why. I made it a poll. There's three options. Uh, One, you're very confident that there won't be uh, COVID problems. Second option is uh, okay uh, confidence level. There might be one or two or a handful, but they'll be dealt with and taken care of it's not going to disrupt things Uh, so a few but it won't be a big deal and the last option is simply it's going to be a mess those are the three options i put out there and uh, lots of feedback and lots of votes already Uh, and i wasn't honestly sure what to expect from the votes but uh, fairly even split between all three of those options right now 35.5% 35.5% of the vote goes to uh, it'll be okay there'll there might be a few isolated incidents but they'll be dealt with and it won't be a big deal and a pretty even split between uh, very confident of no problems and it's going to be a mess all of those uh, between 30 and 36%. So uh, a pretty pretty tight race uh, when it comes to the votes. Nobody's given me any gifts though. Disappointed by that. Oh, as I refresh the page, a couple of them have just come in. Uh, John has given me uh, Doc Brown from uh, Back to the Future, who says everything will be fine, so I'm not sure what he voted for. Uh, And then uh, Gorda Thunder has given me a gif of uh, a bunch of ladies in a car all freaking out, so I'm thinking he voted for uh, it's going to be a mess. Keep those votes coming. At TPS underscore Guy is where you can find me on the Twitter machine. Let's get to the news and notes before I tell you who's coming down the pipe this week. Uh, breaking this morning, Team Canada has officially announced their world junior roster. They got down to uh, three goaltenders yesterday. Those three goaltenders are Taylor Goche, Dylan Garand, and Devin Levi. Uh, Levi with a uh, terrific performance yesterday. And keep in mind, this is a guy who didn't uh, get to play any college games before getting here wasn't involved in the summer camp, the virtual camp, and hadn't played any of the inner squad games before the breakout, and the, they all had the lockdown because as a college guy, he was practicing uh, with Alex Newhook and Dylan Holloway, so hadn't really been with the team. So he only got the one inner squad game uh, just a couple of days ago and stopped every shot that came his way. He is uh, one of the three goalies who will take Canada into their uh, World Junior title defense. If you ask me for my pecking order well before the camp even started, I said Garand would be my starter, and uh, I and I would have taken Sebastian Kosa and Devin Levi. Uh, so right now I would say Garand with Levi and then Taylor Goche as the uh, the older of the uh, players, the veteran who might bring some stability, uh, but I think Garand and Levi are both better goaltenders than he is. The defensive core, Justin Barron, Bowen Byram, Jamie Drysdale, Caden Gooley, Thomas Harley, Caden Korzak, Braden Schneider, and Jordan Spence. So that is a a stacked defensive core. And uh, the forwards, uh, I mean, this is is probably the most depth Canada has had at the World Juniors since that year in Grand Forks when uh, the NHL was on lockout and Sidney Crosby was back with the World Junior team, all of that. This is uh, an outstanding forward crop. Quinton Byfield, Dylan Cousins, Kirby Dock, Dylan Holloway, Peyton Krebs, Connor McMichael, Dawson Mercer, Alex Newhook, Jacob Pelche, Cole Perfetti, Jack Quinn, Ryan Suzuki, Phil Tomasino, and Connor Zeri. That is your forward group if you're a Canadian fan. And if you're wondering then who got cut, well, some of the notables for sure. I mean, going into the camp, Adam Backman was the leading scorer in the WHL last year. He was released. I think the biggest one that I don't, I don't think you can say it's a surprise because you knew there were going to be really good players who didn't make the final roster. But Seth Jarvis would be a guy I think a lot of people had penciled into their their roster, who did not end up making the team. Hendricks Lapierre, Ty, uh, Tyson Forster, Maverick Bork, all cut. Uh, Shane Wright, who came to camp as a 16 year old and looked pretty good, uh, will still have uh, two or three opportunities to make this team. Uh, but not going to play on the 2021 edition. So a really strong lineup uh, for Canada. That's also saying something when uh, they had uh, five players that they released because of uh, well they were deemed unfit to play. I'm not sure that all of them had uh, COVID tests uh, that that came back positive, but some of them did. Xavier Semino uh, did. Uh, Ridley Gregg says that uh, he he had tested positive earlier in November, didn't uh, have positive tests, he says, in Red Deer, but uh, still isn't feeling 100%. Uh, I know Matthew Robertson from the Edmonton Oil Kings was one of those players that was sent home, deemed unfit to play. And uh, Canada, as we know, far from the only team that uh, is dealing with uh, COVID issues for their camp. I posted a bit of a summary on Twitter earlier in the week at that point, uh, Sweden had four players and their head coach all uh, done for the World Junior Championship. Uh, William Eklund, William Wallinder, Carl uh, Henriksen, Albin Greve, and uh, head coach Thomas Monton. Well, since then, I think there's been uh, three or four more coaches involved. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't think there's been another player. Uh, Germany has uh, three players, uh, Tobias Ansika, who would have uh, apparently been their starting goaltender. Nino you know, Kinder and Lucas Reichel, who obviously two impact uh, forwards for Team Germany, uh, all not going to be there. The U.S., Drew Comesso, who would have been their third goaltender. Uh, Robert Master simone and Alex Vlasic, all of them with Boston University. Uh, but uh, certainly Master simone and, and Vlasic would have, I think, been uh, impact players uh, for the United States. So those are big losses. Uh, Timo Nickel with uh, Team Austria. So a lot of teams have had disruptions with their camp. And so you they, they go back to the question of the day about, you know, will it be a, an issue once the tournament starts? I'd also mentioned during the week that, uh, I, you know, I'd had conversations with one of the guests you're going to hear from today, as well as Chris Peters last week when we were talking about the Team USA, about how nervous they are about coming to Edmonton, which quite honestly, Alberta and Edmonton, the hotspot in Canada right now for COVID cases. Uh, Are they nervous about coming here? I wouldn't blame them, put it that way. Uh, But the answer seems to be no, because as bad as it is in Alberta right now, it's probably worse where the teams are coming from, some of them. Uh, Certainly like the Americans Uh, and Sweden. Things are not great right now in Sweden. So it's getting to the bubble. Once they're in the bubble, there's a a level of confidence that everything's going to be okay, uh, because there's a myriad of tests that uh, all these teams have to that all the players have to pass before they even get on the plane to leave their own country uh, before getting here and then there's a quarantine period here so those that i've talked to feel like uh, once you're in the bubble everything's going to be okay but it's getting to the bubble that's the challenge uh, obviously nothing happening in uh, junior hockey all that much a little bit in the ushl but uh, i haven't looked that up here uh, lately college hockey though uh, lots to talk about as a uh, The NCAA continues to forge ahead with a number of games being played. The uh, NCHC bubble seems to be going very, very well, and we'll talk about that today on the show. And other than that, Big Ten uh, is moving forward, and uh, some games in Hockey East, and a smattering of uh, ECAC and Atlantic Hockey as well. Uh, Right now, the uh, leading score in the NCAA is, is uh, with points is Cole Caulfield. He's played 10 games and has 12 points. Matthew Koprud of Arizona State is the leading freshman with 11 points uh, through eight games. So he's got uh, more points per game than Caulfield. And all the freshmen at Michigan uh, certainly making an impact. Thomas Bortolo, Kent Johnson, who scored a beautiful goal uh, earlier this week. They both have 10 points for the Wolverines. Brennan Bresson, who's now away at USA Camp, has seven points in eight games. And uh, the Edmonton Oilers are uh, pretty happy with the way Carter Savoy has played early on. He's got eight points through five games, including six goals, which is the same amount that Caulfield has. uh, But Savoy has only played five games compared to the ten that Caulfield has had. Savoy's actually factored in in every game. He's got a goal in every game, let alone hit the score sheet in every game. So terrific start for him. And his uh, former Sherwood Park Crusader teammate, Mike Benning, leads the NCAA in scoring by defenseman. He has seven points in five games. Got his first goal yesterday in a game uh, that I was watching as a Denver played Miami. Let's get to the guest list. There are going to be three guests that you hear from uh, on the show today. Of course, uh, they all joined me courtesy the Troubled Monk hotline. I had a chat with the fine folks at Troubled Monk yesterday. And uh, they have opened up their uh, home delivery in Alberta. It used to be Calgary, Red Deer, St. Albert, Sherwood Park, and Edmonton. Now it's Calgary to St. Albert and all points in between. So if you're in some of the outlying towns along Highway 2, basically, so you know, uh, going south from Edmonton, it's going to be Leduc and um, po- possibly Millet, uh, Pinoka, and Lacombe, and then you get to the other side of Red Deer, and you've got you know Olds and Airdrie and Innisfail, all of those towns, in Sylvan Lake even, it's not quite, you know, it's not that far from Red Deer, so that makes sense. Uh, but all of those towns now uh, are able to have that home delivery from Troubled Monk. Make sure you order online, and while you're placing that order, use the promo code PIPELINE, and you'll get that order at no extra charge, as the delivery cost will be on the house. So take advantage of that. And uh, they have a couple new brews that I haven't tried yet. The Let Them Drink Cake, that's a dessert stout, and uh, Market Garden Carrot Cake Ale. Uh, so, so two that are, well they sound delicious, they sound like dessert as well. Uh, I have not tried those, so I can't tell you how uh, how they are, but you can hit up some of my favorites, like the Juicy Gossip, or you can get the, uh, the Taster Pack, so uh, you can enjoy the Pesky Pig and the Golden Gates, the Bucktooth Belgian White, and the Open Road American Brown Ale, and the Daycation is uh, one of my favorites as well. All right, here is who you will hear on the program today. We'll start with Ufe Bodin from Hockey Sweden to obviously talk about the Swedes for the 2021 World Junior Championship. Now, I had that conversation with him on Monday. So this is a good reason why becoming a patron and having early access is a good thing. That interview was available to patrons on Monday. It's now Friday. So that one's been available for uh, three or four sleeps already. And some of the content there, when I talked to him, it was two players who were sidelined with, uh, with COVID-19. There was a third that we knew of, uh, but the name hadn't been released yet. Turned out to be William Willinder. And as Ufe says, and there might also be a coach involved, turned out to be their head coach, and more since. Uh, so you can see how quickly things have uh, changed and unfolded as the week has gone on. But Ufe Bodin gives a, a terrific preview of what still will be a very, very competitive team from Sweden. We'll go from there to a conversation I had with uh, Mike Benton, the uh, voice of the Everett Silvertips, about what it's like uh, south of the border in uh, his area of uh, Washington State. As the WHL tries to get back on the ice here for January 8th, uh, that seems like it's going to be a a long shot, though. Certainly here in Alberta, things have just been locked down again uh, until uh, for the next four weeks. I think that expires on January 4th. But I have a hard time believing uh, that we'll be playing hockey here on uh, January 8th, but uh, we'll see. Uh, And we'll uh, end this week's show with uh, Dave Starman. We'll talk about the NC8C and what's happening inside the bubble. Really get a good perspective, what it's like for a broadcaster right now in that position. And we'll talk about some uh, really exciting hockey that's being played in that conference. So... A loaded show for you. We'll start it off with Uffe Bodin and get a sense of uh, Team Sweden as they get prepared to come over to Alberta for the 2021 World Junior Championship. That starts off this week's episode of the Pipeline Show next.
0: Brian Lurk. Brian Oh! yeah, Oh! Wow! Hello guys, this is Timothy Willigram from uh Rogler 4 in Sweden and you're listening to the pipeline show. Spruce Grove Saint AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at SG Saints and support the Saints by heading to SpruceGroveSaints.ca and purchasing your Cash's King tickets today. Over thirty-three thousand dollars in prizes to be given away. Again, head to SpruceGroveSaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of the Pipeline Show.
1: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
3: Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody! Back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we're going to continue looking ahead to the 2021 World Junior Championship here in Edmonton. Uh, Fingers crossed that the event actually does happen, as uh, we're seeing a lot of, uh, well, Team USA had three players that um, tested positive and won't be participating. Of course, we know with uh, Canada has been... uh, uh, in lockdown for the last two weeks, and uh, news out of Sweden: a couple of players testing positive as well. So let's go to Sweden and get an update. And uh, my guest to talk all things Swedish hockey yes. is Uffe Bodin from from Hockey Sweden. Uffe, uh, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are you?
0: Hey, Mr. Pipeline, thanks for having me again. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm healthy. I I have uh, work to do, and you know, I'm I I can't be too too sad about uh, the state of my own life, but uh, it's uh, obviously it's a tough situation in the world.
3: For sure. How, how are things right now in Sweden compared to, say, five months ago in Sweden? Are, are things the same or vastly better or worse?
0: Uh, it's, we had a good good summer where things uh, sort of calmed down uh, and things started to look normal, but uh, just like you we, in Canada i have experienced, we, we're we're in the middle of a second wave here, so uh, it's it's been a I'd say a pretty rough month. Uh, November was uh, was not a lot of fun, a lot of uh, step backwards. But uh, uh, we, we're hearing about the vaccine, and and hopefully they'll start uh, distributing that in, after New Year. So uh, mm. there's there's uh, some kind of hope at the end of our horizon, I guess.
3: Yes, uh, and here in Canada, well, here in Edmonton, it's you know it was really good for a long time until everybody went back to school in uh, September, and uh, things really got worse. And the second wave is here and now. Edmonton is like the the hot spot in all of Canada, which isn't great timing for the World Junior Championship. Do you hear any concerns uh, from where you are about coming here right now?
0: Ah, uh, I mean not really. I mean we we we've had it. A- probably much worse in Sweden than you guys have had in Canada. So uh, I don't think, I don't think it's, it's uh, that much of of a difference really uh, at the moment at least. Uh, But I mean, there's always people that will, will put a negative spin on things and, and, you know, just shut down everything. But I think, I think like, on a personal level, you know, hockey is is, uh, is a big part of my life. It's obviously a, a big part of everyone's life who's listening here. Uh, and I feel that if we can get like something, you know, to uh, take our minds off of, you know, the, the tough things that goes on in the world right now, I think I think it's I think we're better for it. So uh, I, I really hope they can play, and and I, I think it's going to be a heck of a tournament uh, as soon as they get started.
3: Uffe, how many leagues in Sweden or in that area, with the with the Finland and, and the other leagues that are right around you, the other countries right around you? How many are are still going? Because most of the leagues here are not playing. We see some college teams in the states are going, uh, but about half the college teams in the states aren't really playing. Uh, and the USHL is is off to a bumpy start. We saw the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League started and then stopped. Um, so w- where are things at there?
0: So uh right now uh all the pro leagues are are playing uh, but uh, what has happened though is that uh, at the junior level every every league uh, from top to bottom has been shut down and at least until after new year. Mm-hmm. So it's been kind of a, a struggle for, you know, uh, uh, young players uh, to get ice time uh, right now because they can't practice with their teams either. So the only ice I think they have is like uh, the ones that have hockey connected to their schooling. Um, but uh, as far as the SHL, our top here in Sweden, I think uh, the Liga in Finland, uh even uh, the second tier here in sweden Allsvenskan, and the third tier uh, hockeytan they're also playing so we have at least uh, our our top three leagues are 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 playing our women's league is playing but uh you know we have the occasional <laughs> uh, uh corona situation within teams so there's a, been a lot of games that has been shuffled around that the schedule is, is pretty shady uh, right. right now because there are some teams that have uh, had to, to cancel a lot of games that they, they're going to have to to uh, play at some point during the regular season. So the the guys that make the schedule, they, they have their hands full right now.
3: <laughs> no kidding. Ufe Boydine from Hockey Sweden is my guest here on the Pipeline Show. That leads us to the, uh, the World Junior Team, the U20 squad. Uh, a lot of those players – are in the shl so they have been playing uh, a lot uh, but the situation here with the uh, the club overall and the camp uh, we mentioned a couple players william Eklund and carl hendrickson uh, testing positive on the weekend uh, so they're no longer at the camp uh, is that the tip of the iceberg do you think or or, or is everybody safe now
0: uh uh, we received news uh tonight actually that uh, there is uh, one other player that's in in quarantine right now he had a we don't know who who yet but he had a a, one of these quick uh, tests that that showed it was positive so they're waiting for the results of uh you know a a bit more you know secure test which can you know, these, these fast, uh, speedy tests, they, they can be wrong from time to time. So they wanted to make sure that, uh, that this was the real deal. So they pro- probably, he's, I think he's quarantined in Stockholm. The, the rest of the team went up north a bit to, 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 uh, stay in a bubble and, and you know, try to get some. Uh, get some normalcy before going into the next bubble. So, mm-hmm. so we'll see. But uh, it's possible that uh, one other player, and actually one uh, one of the one one of the the team leaders uh, as well. I don't know if it's a coach or, or equipment manager or, or something. But uh, two people from what I understand is in quarantine right now.
3: Okay. Uh, with the two players who did test positive that we know of, Carl Henriksson and William Eklund, how big of a loss? Are these two players to Sweden?
0: Well, it's it's about as big as losses they could get, uh, especially, actually, Hendrickson. I, I think uh, Eklund is, is uh, the maybe superior player, but Hendrickson was supposed to be the first-line center. And if there's something that this Swedish team lacks, I, I would say it's, you know, depth uh, at the center spot. Um so he was, he was, he played the tournament last year. He's been having excellent uh, chemistry with uh, Lucas Raymond and Alexander Holtz uh, dating back to, to the, to the uh, under 18 world championships here in Sweden in 2019 when Sweden won their first gold medal. That line was was a constant threat. And uh, so that's, that's the huge loss. But uh, Eklund has been, you know, maybe the best story of, of the season here in here in Sweden. So that's mm. obviously also a huge loss. So it was really two key members of the team. And uh, obviously it's going to affect uh, affect the team uh, big time.
3: Henriksen drafted by the New York Rangers. And Eklund, one of the top-rated guys for this coming draft in 2021. So big losses there. Uh, overall, though, Sweden is, like Canada, the U.S. and Finland and Russia, one of the powerhouse countries. So uh, the blessing is that there is lots of depth, although, as you pointed out, maybe not exactly down the middle. But overall, this is still going
0: to be a very, very good team and certainly a contender for the gold. Would you agree? Uh, it remains to be seen. I, I, I'm a bit more skeptical now that uh, they've lost these two key players. But uh, also, I mean, it's, it's going to be a different tournament. It's, it's going to be played under very special circumstances. So I, I'd say like if you, have a, if you have a bad day, it's probably going to affect you more. If you have a good day, it's probably going to affect you in, in the other direction. So uh, yeah. I think anything is possible during the, these uh, weird circumstances.
3: All right, well, let's start in net, and uh, I think everybody is expecting Hugo Al- Alnefeld and, and uh, uh, Jesper Wallstedt to be uh, the two goaltenders who get the bulk of the action, but is there a clear-cut number one guy in your opinion?
0: Uh, I mean, since Alnefeld played last year and it was had a really good tournament in the Czech Republic, I, I'd say that he's the favorite uh, to to start, and I think the coaching staff probably has a lot of you know trust in him uh, because of that. At the same time, I mean, Wallstedt has been, I mean, at 17, I think he has turned 18. He's been playing a really good uh, hockey in 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 the SHL, which you don't really see a lot of
1: mm-hmm.
0: young players his age do. Uh, so that that has been also a really Im- impressive story this uh, this past fall. Uh, so it, it could. Uh, it could be interesting, but if I mean, I, I sense that Olnefeld gets the first game, and if he plays, uh, if he plays, you know, uh, to his strength and, and do what they expect, I think he's going to be the the first choice for sure.
3: Uh, and I don't know if you would agree with me or not, but uh, to me, uh, Sweden has a, a very very good defensive group. Uh, I don't. There will be other teams that also have good defensive groups, but I don't know that anybody has a better one than Sweden. Uh, is that the strength of this team?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh you have uh top 3 that that played in the tournament last year and did a really good job uh in uh, Tobias Bjornfoot, uh Victor Soderstrom and uh, uh who's the third guy? Uh, Roberts. <laughs> yeah, Philip Broberg, sorry. Sorry Edmonton fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean they they're, they're uh, they all have, you know, uh, played some meaningful games in their careers, although they're young and they're, you know, blue chip prospects. So I think, uh, those three, along with Albert, uh, Johansson, who is, uh, a Detroit Red Wings draft pick who has been, uh, really solid this, uh, this fall. Uh, I think that's a, a really impressive top four. So, uh, yeah, for sure that, that's, uh, those are, are players to be reckoned with.
3: Now, there are some other guys who have been drafted. Emil Andre has been drafted. I think Philadelphia took him, if I remember correctly. Hugo, uh, Helge Granz was just drafted as well. Uh, but there are some players at this camp. William Melinder, who isn't in the SHL, but you said the Allsvenskan is still playing, so he is... Yeah. uh, Okay, so is there anybody at the camp who really hasn't played yet?
0: Uh, there's a few guys who uh, who has played junior hockey and uh, who has uh, you know been sort of locked down because of that, but they've been practicing regularly. So uh, yeah, there. I think there's a few guys that they haven't played since early November, late October. So. A guy like Victor Soderstrom, he has been injured. So he, he played his last game, I think, uh, November 4th, if I remember correctly. So there are probably going to be a few guys that are, you know, a bit rusty. But I think that goes with probably pretty much any team in, in this tournament. So uh, it, that can make it make it even more fun, I guess. Uh,
3: Simon Edmondson, another player expected to go very early in the 2021 draft. He's at this camp as an underage player. Is there room for him on this team, though?
0: yeah that's a good question i mean uh he's he's obviously one of the most uh, talented uh, defensemen in in this upcoming draft but uh it's gonna be i think it's gonna be tough for him just you know based on the names that we've been discussing here it's gonna mm-hmm. take uh, you know it's gonna he's gonna have to to really prove himself at camp if if he's gonna be one of the seven eight guys that that makes the team.
3: Alexander Holtz, Lucas Raymond, the, uh, the big names up front uh, for Team Sweden, but there are lots of other notable players as well who are invited to the camp, and I was happy to see that Noel Gundler is uh, involved in this camp, as he often hasn't been invited to, to play for the national team. Uh, why do you think this year is different for him?
0: Yeah, so I mean, he was uh, he was supposed to to uh, uh, play. Uh, I think it was last year, the last tournament they had uh, before the the season sadly ended early. Uh, but uh, that didn't happen, didn't come to fruition, and he, I think he missed another tournament uh, due to injury. So. Hmm uh but but yeah it's it's been uh he's, he's not been a favorite uh in the past for some of the coaches, but I think just his talent level is is you know makes him hard to pass on obviously he he had a bit of a rough start to the season. Now he changed teams to to get some more ice time. Uh, so he's been playing more regularly this this past month, and it's probably done him and his confidence some good. And I, I think he could be really good at this level. He has got some. I mean, he's really skilled, uh, skilled forward. So I, I I'd, I'd see him in a top six role for sure.
3: Uh, Ufe, other than those three players that, up front that we just uh, talked about. Are there other guys you expect to really step up and uh, maybe that they're not as familiar to us over here, but we're really going to get to know them with the way they play in this tournament. Are there some breakout guys on this team?
0: Uh, I would think so. Um, a guy who's been uh, really hot in the SHL uh, of late. He's, he's a late 2002 birthday, just like William Aikland, so he's, uh, he's uh, available in this upcoming draft, and that's Oscar Olauson. He's been uh, high on some of the... Uh, draft rankings that we've seen here early and uh, he had uh, Goals in in three straight games with hv 71 his SHL team and and he's He's starting to to really prove himself at the at the pro level and uh, looks looks like a really interesting player he's got nice size nice hands and is a gifted goal scorer, so um, I would uh, hope especially now with with the willian with the out of the picture that he can get a, a more prominent role to to build on what he's been showing this uh, this fall and, and you know just take it to to the next level at the world juniors as well
3: what are expectations from uh, fans uh, right now for what this team can do and if they come home with you know a gold medal obviously everybody is ecstatic um but what are the reasonable expectations for this team uh, if if they come home with a silver or a bronze, is that okay?
0: Uh, absolutely. I would say, uh, you know, considering what teams other countries will bring, I'd say, like, if they reached uh, the semifinals, I would be content with that. You obviously want, want to see them do well, but... I mean, I I just saw Russia last month playing against uh, with the junior team against men in, in Finland and, and winning the whole tournament and they Great. look uh, they look really scary. Let me tell you that that there's some wow, there's some real players on that team. So, uh, you know, I, I'd say that probably Russia, Canada, and even the US, depending on what you know what players they they could could get uh, from from to the tournament. I, I mean, I, I would probably rank them higher than sweden but uh as i said before like in in this kind of a tournament like i i really believe anything can happen
3: is there an an excitement though for this tournament i know like fans won't be able to be there uh the nhl scouts won't be able to be there there won't be a lot of media Uh, so what is uh is there a buzz about the tournament there or is it kind of almost being uh
0: forgotten about a bit Oh uh, no, there's there's a buzz absolutely. I mean, the World Unis. I would say when I I started covering yeah, the World Unis, I went. I think I went to my first World Unis at 2006, and, and it was like nothing. And then just in a few years, you know, the interest exploded. It's like in this perfect time of the year when you know, right after Christmas, uh, leading up uh, to to New Year's and and beyond, and you know there's not much else to do like like people uh i mean they're they're off from work and they have time to to really indulge in in, in you know what they see on tv and and this tournament has has become really meaningful for for Swedes. so uh it's not at level you know like you guys in canada but we've had some amazing you know ratings tv ratings uh during the last few years and and you know the interest just keeps getting bigger so there's obviously always a big hope uh, that Sweden will, will capture the gold medal, but uh, I, I'm not sure this is the year, though.
3: Well, I know one thing's for sure. The Swedish fans always make the event better. The one I got to attend in Helsinki in 2016 was unbelievable, largely because of the Swedish fans and the chanting that goes back and forth. And that will sorely be missed. Uh, from this event, for sure. Ufe, I really, really appreciate your time. Great to talk to you again. Uh, Have a great Christmas and New Year. Enjoy the tournament and stay safe.
0: Hey, thank you, and Merry Christmas to you, too.
3: That was Ufe Dean from uh, Hockey Sweden. Knows so much about uh, the uh, inside stories there for Swedish hockey, and as you mentioned, he knew that there was going to be some more uh, cases being uh, publicized. Uh, It ended up being William Wallinder that he was referring to, as well as uh, the head coach. Uh, And since then, I believe a couple more coaches, including the goalie coach, all ruled uh, unavailable for the tournament. So obviously the Swedes are going to have some uh, internal difficulties to overcome. I still think that's a really strong team. But when you compile everything, you know, maybe they're not going to be gold medal contenders. Maybe they are a team that if they can get a bronze, they'd be happy with. You know, the Russians are going to be really good. The U.S. is going to be good. Finland's going to be good. The Czechs just released uh, their camp roster and there are nine drafted players on the Czech team two of them are goaltenders uh, and a couple of uh, notables for the 2021 draft that'd be Stanislav Svazl and uh, David Juracek for the 2022 draft both of those are defensemen still one more cut on the blue line for the Czechs but uh, some of the other uh, notables Hugo Haas on the back end Simon Kubicek, Radik Kucerik all defensemen and up front uh, Michael Gutt from the Everett Silvertips. Martin Lang, who was in the WHL. Jan Mishak, who finished off last year with the uh, Hamilton Bulldogs, drafted by Montreal. Pavel Novak of the Kelowna Rockets and the Minnesota Wild. Yermer Pitlick from the New Jersey Devils. Adam Raska, drafted by San Jose. Michael Tepley, who was with uh, Winnipeg, the Ice, and uh, drafted by Chicago. Matty Thoman, who was uh, in the WHL for a while as well. Um, So the Czechs are going to be a problematic team. I think their goaltending is actually pretty darn good. Yen Bednash, Nick Malik, Lucas Peric. So do I think they're medal contenders? They'd really have to overcome and surprise some teams. But they have a team that is capable of being problematic for some of the contenders. So uh, don't look past the Czechs. They're not going to be an easy out. Mention the WHL, and that's where we will turn our attention in the next segment. The longtime voice of the Everett Silvertips is Mike Benton, and uh, he's going to join me and share his perspective on uh, what the WHL's return to play still looks like through the eyes of the U.S. division. You have four teams in Washington State, one in Oregon with the Portland Winterhawks. They're going to play all season against themselves, but lots of hurdles still to clear, and just how bad is COVID right now in that area? We'll find out next with Mike Benton here on the Pipeline Show. Hey, it's
1: Michael Rasmussen and the of the tri Americans.
2: Collected by Heldeson, thrown away Sandu. Slot, Rasmussen, he scores! The natural hat-trick! And the first
3: American hat-trick in three years. How about that?
0: And you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
3: The Troubled Month Brew of the Week is the one that started it all. Tell us more about this classic, bud. Golden Gates,
2: Golden Ale, an easy-drinking Golden Ale that you can use as your gateway to craft beer. This beer highlights the best malt in the world, grown right here in our backyard. Player comparable, Nathan McKinnon. Underrated, yet awesome, every time out. Troubled Monk,
3: visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing.
1: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
0: And here he is, having the time of his life.
3: It's The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we're going to have an In the Dub segment, all things uh, WHL, brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. You can stay up to date on everything around the Western Hockey League. with uh, Get your daily dose of the dub. It comes right to your inbox. You don't even have to search for it. Now, let's be honest. There hasn't been a whole lot of WHL news here as of late, yet the January 8th, Target is rapidly approaching. Uh, so let's uh, get a sense of what the mood is like uh, south of the border in the U.S. division. Uh, let's go to uh, Everett Washington. Uh, Mike Benton, the uh, longtime voice now of the Everett Silvertips and uh, a frequent guest on the Pipeline show for years. Mike, welcome back to the program. How are you, pal? Are
2: you doing all right. Thank you very much. I know that we're getting now, I think, into, I believe, month number nine mm. of uh, this holding holding the fort down scenario here with the coronavirus and you know a lot of us have plenty of fatigue over it but you know i'm trying to keep glass half full right now and pardon the cliche but one day at a time and i hope that uh you're doing all right and the folks as well back in alberta
3: yeah similar situation here i think as cases have actually gone way up and they seem to be increasing every day i think they're starting to be a bit more concern and when it comes to the whl that's uh, starting to grow here too in the sense that it's a lot worse in December than it was in September, uh, and uh, now we're a month away from the supposed start of the Western Hockey League. From your perspective in Washington right now, well, let's start with the COVID stuff. How is it in Washington compared to, say, September?
2: Well, things have uh, taken a bit of a tight turn here as compared to the last few months, and that's just because of a rise in cases and us getting into you know the winter months where the temperature drops. And uh, we have a a bit of an uptick, you know, in those numbers. And unfortunately, in those cases, uh, we've actually regressed a phase. And so through December 14th, uh, the most recent state mandate has shuttered gyms, uh, shuttered indoor facilities, players who are from here locally have to essentially practice back on their own. So uh, it's it's kind of a, a telltale sign of where we're at right now. And. People were talking about this, you know, two or three months ago, heading into the winter months, that cases could rise just because of the time of year that we are heading into when um, it gets colder and uh, you see a bit of an increase here uh, in, in health issues and health concerns on top of that. And so, we're right now just kind of in the hunkering down phase. I've been doing a lot of work at home. Um, a lot of friends of mine as well, head coach Dennis Williams, uh, and others throughout the organization, GM Gary Davidson back at home in British Columbia at this point. So, uh, really as of right now, it's playing it week by week and following the orders that have been issued by local health officials and hope that we can, you know, get these numbers right back down to the point of where we can start talking about when to, finally get back at it so at this point at least for another week it's uh more the same and hopefully that will open the door here for after new year
3: Uh, for those outside the whl market the plan in this league is to play within our uh uh, provincial jurisdictions basically so the five alberta teams would just play against themselves all year same with bc manitoba and saskatchewan would be uh, combined for seven teams and the five teams in the states uh, would all play just against one another for the entire season as well, which, jokingly, that almost is, is the case in a regular year. You guys play so many games against the rest of the division. It's not going to be all that different, but it is two different states down there, so it is two different jurisdictions. How big of a, a, a headache or a hurdle is that still to clear uh, that uh, that Portland can play against the four uh, Washington-based teams uh, without any trouble.
2: Well, a great article came out in The athletics just yesterday by Ryan S. Clark, who's now out here covering the Seattle Kraken and is dipping his toe in the WHL water, it appears here, from time to time. And uh, laid out pretty clear from Silver Tips, COO and Radchuk, Russ Farwell with the Seattle Thunderbirds, uh, Mike Johnston with the, the, the Winterhawks as well. The, the one hurdle that a lot of teams are facing right now is just trying to make sure that we're checking off a lot of boxes to make sure that every team is falling in line with the orders of local health officials. And it doesn't work in one state that blankets the entire team with the certain rules that you have to follow, because, you know, there are different numbers of cases uh, up or down. uh, If you compare it between say Snohomish County, uh, where the very first, COVID uh, case broke out in this state and in King County, which has Seattle and then further east out when you go toward Spokane and middle of the state south where Tri-City is and then just across the border for Portland. So you essentially have five teams who have five different sets of guidelines because they all play in different parts of the state and Mm -hmm. they are at the mercy of local health officials. So um, just kind of rounding all that up right now, you know, the hope is that If you reference the article that just came out yesterday, you know, if we can get to that part where it's realistic for these teams to finally square off in that kind of a schedule, you'll see these teams adhering to those guidelines laid out by each local set of health authorities. And to finally help us get from this point right now to finally go time, um, eventually what the league did set uh, just past uh, January one.
3: Are you hearing anything in regards to uh, players crossing the border? I mean, you get, you're get you going to have a lot of Canadian players on the American teams, and American players got to come up here and, and play on uh, their uh, Canadian-based teams, and the import players, too. Is that going to be a problematic situation for, for clubs, in your opinion?
2: Well, very good question, and I remain optimistic just on my own uh, understanding, and there's not much information out right now as far as how that's being laid out, and quite frankly, that's the situation where that's being determined by those who are you know, are about roughly twice, uh, above me in pay grade. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> glad to, I'm glad to at least offer right now the, the point of no news is good news. And I think we're really at this point, uh, just playing this one day at a time and one week at a time, understanding that, you know, you've got to make sure that every team is certainly in line with how, uh, they abide by rules here locally. And then you can finally, uh, get to that point where we'll finally see more information eventually coming out.
3: From a broadcast position, uh, what's your take on, you know, will travel be restricted uh, for, you know, amount of guys that can go on a bus? And would that impact maybe the broadcasters? Uh, would you be able to do road games, do you think?
2: Well, it, you raised a very good question. Uh, and I, I think going back to, again, yesterday's news and updates uh, from the Athletic, uh, there's certainly talk right now where it could be just uh, nothing but day trips only and coming right back. Where I fit into the picture, obviously, I maintain a lot of flexibility. I have not had those conversations yet with my powers that be. Uh, I think it's fair to say, let's just get to this point where we're finally going to get greenlit to play and then finally decide how that is going to happen. But uh, I think when you understand that, the league is definitely uh, looking to pour a lot of energy and resources here into a brand new broadcaster that... Uh, They want to get this right. So my own goal and my own hope is that we're going to make this fit one way or the other. We've seen already teams in the NHL, uh, in Major League Baseball, uh, basketball, football. The trend here for this year is remote broadcasting. Mm -hmm. If we get there here in the WHL, I don't know yet. Again, things can certainly change here with this picture right now versus, you know, one to about a month and a half out. Uh, We're we're just kind of playing that one week and one game at a time here. But I did kind of understand, really, I think, once you get into that idea of relying on a remote-style broadcasting, if I get there and uh, if I can't be at the road building, let's just make sure that we go ahead and review a few tapes here and uh, (laughs) a few clips just to make sure that I can see where the puck is going and I'm not caught from behind just in case there's a, a certain frame zoomed in on one part of the rink. The one benefit that you have as a broadcaster is that you can see the ice in real time yeah. when you're way above the action. If we're restricted here to just looking off a monitor, that's not going to happen. And then the ability for you to get the play right, and then whatever you can do to call out names or numbers and identify that in your head, that's going to be so important. Um, a good friend of mine, Josh Bogarov with the Dallas stars, uh, He mentioned that when he had his simulcast, he covers both TV and radio. They had a gargantuan amount of monitors for round number one that they can rely off of and have feeds come down the line. Once they got past round number one and then into round two and into the conference finals against Vegas, they had just one monitor. So the best that you can do to identify and do your homework is going to help you in the long run. So if that scenario certainly happens, uh, I know I'll be prepared. Uh, my honor partner, Justin Morrison, will be prepared, and we'll definitely have some fun with it.
3: And that's with an NHL building. Your friend uh, with the Stars uh, talking about. I mean, there's a lot of different buildings in uh, in the Western Hockey League, and they're not all built the, the the same. That's for sure. I mean, we've got an NHL building here, but uh, you know, you're not going to have multiple camera angles, you know, in Winnipeg and Heck Spokane. Half their time, we're watching games online. The the cameras in the end uh of the rink it's that could pose a challenge for a broadcaster
2: i'll tell you what if there's any way that we can get camera operators here from around the entire league and get them on the same page and hey say hey what can we do to kind of sweeten the pot here for you and just get that ideal (laughs) shot that might not be a bad idea
3: (laughs) no kidding mike benton uh, from the Everett silvertips my guest here on the pipeline show um What's your gut tell you? January 8th, is it still firm in your in, – do you think it's going to happen January 8th, or do you see – I know John Shannon, who's uh, been with Sportsnet for a long time and is now kind of an independent guy, tweeted about 10 days ago that he's hearing it's getting pushed back to uh, February. What's your opinion?
2: Well, at this point, I think no news is good news, and I, I just defer back to my answer and what I said earlier. I'm grateful here at this point in time where there are people making twice my pay who can make those certain decisions. So I remain hopeful. And at this point, uh, let's just wait it out here and see what happens.
3: Is there a buzz in uh, in the city uh, around Everett and around Seattle just with the Kraken coming and obviously two really good and well established uh, WHL teams? And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if North America in general sees the Pacific Northwest as a hockey hotbed, but I think those of us around the WHL know there's a pretty strong hockey fan base there already, and with the NHL arriving, there's got to be some real hockey buzz going at this point.
2: Nothing sort of unbelievable up here, and I think it even shows more when you can generate and maintain the buzz that it has been going around this entire region. For the year 2020 it certainly says a lot about the potential out here for this entire area you know it's 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 a well-kept secret as far as its history its lineage in this area and the the whole talk from the last five ten years you even go back to even the early 90s when the nhl was this close to coming to seattle and plans fell through last second that maybe it was just a matter of time and From the moment the Seattle Kraken announced that they were going to be coming into the league and they sold 33,000 deposits in one whole day when all they needed was just 10,000. And keep in mind, it took the Vegas Golden Knights several weeks to get to that point. It just shows you how on fire that this area is for hockey. After that happened, you saw an uptick, you know, in box office drop of the Silver Tips and the Seattle Thunderbirds. So I firmly believe right now we are right around the corner here from uh, potentially a golden age of hockey in this area. Uh, To have the cracking out here, it's only going to make things even bigger, even better, and even more widespread as far as how much this game means to fans out here, whether it might be long time or even brand new.
3: All right. Well, let's hope there's some WHL action before long uh, to add to that mix as well. Mike, I really appreciate your time. Nice to catch up. Uh, have a good Christmas and uh,
2: New Year, and uh, stay safe. Cheers to you. We haven't gotten much snow down here, so once you get some, please send some stuff. Sound good?
3: Yeah, I saw the tweets of you golfing uh, last week. Uh, thanks, I appreciate
2: that, pal. Yeah, <laughs> Rub it in. It is a little cold, though. I am layering, though. <laughs> oh, God. Thanks, man. See you later. No problem. Appreciate your time, buddy.
3: There you go, Mike Benton, the golfer with the Everett silver tips and I don't know what's worse. those guys down in the U S division tweeting pictures like that used to get them all the time from Portland Uh, or the guys in like Kelowna and Kamloops and uh, Vancouver and Victoria rubbing it in, you know, Regan Bartel or uh, Bill Wilms or the guys on the Island tweeting pictures of them golfing when it's, uh, you know, and they're in their Well, maybe not necessarily shorts, but you know, they're not in their parkas. They're not shoveling their driveways. Anyway, I always appreciate uh, Mike when he's on the program, and uh, it's going to be an interesting start to the WHL season. Again, I, I, they just locked down here in Alberta until early January. I don't know how they're going to get the season off on January 8th. So I am uh, just awaiting for the news that the, the start date gets pushed back into February. I think they will eventually play, or at least uh, get off the ground and uh, start, uh, but only time will tell how that is going to go. One more segment to go on this week's show, and Dave Starman is going to join us from the inside, the NCHC bubble as a college hockey in Omaha. That conference has been going on now for about 10 days. It's gone very well. There's been a lot of exciting hockey. Let's get an update from Dave Starman next here on the Pipeline Show.
2: Hi, this is David Carl, head coach of the University of Denver Pioneers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
1: Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Ben Bishop
3: backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Andy Green
1: and Ryan Miller. We're stars on campus
0: before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions
1: of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Strange things are afoot
0: at the Circle K
3: back on the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming, and uh, we're going to turn our attention to uh, college hockey and specifically the NCHC as uh, the bubble or the pod, if you want to call it as what they're using, uh, the terminology as the pod. Uh, it seems like it's been a great success uh, from the outside looking in, but let's go inside the pod, and the guy who's been there since uh, the start of it. Is uh, Dave Starman, who uh, has been doing a number of games, and uh, boy, Dave, you were just telling me you're doing what—20 games in 15 days,
1: something like that? Yeah, it's, it's it is yeah, it is 20 games in 15 days, and I mean the pod's gonna go from December 1st to December 21st because CC came in late as as they got hit with a COVID case right, right before they were supposed to travel in, so they had to delay a little bit. They're, they got hit with a COVID case like two weeks before their arrival date. So they got pushed back a little bit and then they practiced for a few days and now they've started play, but they'll extend the pod by one day. But for me, I have, I'm out on the 16th to get back to New York to get ready for the world Juniors. So it's 20 games in 15 days here and then hopefully another seven in 11 days with the world juniors. If, if that goes off without a hitch.
3: Yes. Well, that, that's a completely def, another uh, segment we could do, but uh, let's focus on the, <laughs> on the pod right now. And uh, just from your perspective, How's it going? Because from the outside looking in, looks like things have been running pretty smooth.
1: I, I give the conference so much credit. Josh Fenton is the commissioner and he's got a great team around him of whether it be FARs or ADs and coaches. And like this group just has it together. And it, the way this conference is run reminds me a lot of when Tom and was running the old CCHA. I mean, it, it is just buttoned down and uh, I's are dotted and T's are crossed and nothing left to chance. And they really put together a a very safe and strict environment of what you can and can't do. So for, for basically for the teams, TV production, whatever it's hotel rink. And if you want to stop and grab takeout somewhere, that's fine. But other than that, you are not outside the safe confines of your restricted areas. So from that perspective, it has been really good. You know, the masks are being worn all over the arena. And, and I really like the, the way that it's been done and the games, everybody wondered what was going to happen. I haven't played a game in nine months and yeah, you know, training camps were long and extended, and and coaches did everything they could to make sure that they kept them fresh. And, you know, I've heard from eight coaching staffs, you know, so that's eight, eight so that's 24 different coaches who have all told me different stuff about what they were doing to keep their players engaged and entertained and developing. And uh, the, the stories coming out of here are, are unreal, but the hockey has been good. I think everybody's first period was scrambly. And then after that, everybody started to settle in. And much like with the NHL bubbles, these games got up to full speed really, really quickly, and I think the play has been good, and there are some players here that are really, really making impacts.
3: Well, let's talk about uh, some of those early games for some of the early results anyway. Minnesota-Duluth 4-0 right now, and St. Cloud State. I haven't watched a, a bunch of the, the Huskies uh, games to this point, but they're 3-1. I, I I don't think anybody was surprised to see North Dakota get out the gate really strong, and uh, Nebraska-Omaha as well. They've played the most games. Uh, but they're uh, three and two. It seemed like uh, maybe they started a bit slow, but uh, have been picking it up lately. What, what has stood out to you so far in the early stages of uh, the season for these teams? Not a lot of rust, or less rust than you thought there might be.
1: I'll tell you what. I, I didn't see a ton of rust, you know, early on. I mean, there there are little things. The timing to me was was one of the things that jumped right at you and. But when, that started to come together right after most teams game one. And what was interesting was Colorado College's game one was Western's game four. So, right. I mean, you saw a little bit of the, the difference in a team that's already settled in versus the team that came out scrambling. But there are, there are a couple of players that I think have have really jumped into the forefront here to, to start this tournament. One is an Ottawa draft by the name of Shane Pinto, who mm-hmm. who plays for North Dakota. He has been unbelievable on the face-off thought. He's been really good moving in the puck, and, and he makes up. You know, the other side of their number one power play with Jordan Kawaguchi, who's going to be a big-time free agent. And Matt Kierstad is up at the top of that. But Pinto has been terrific. This kid, Carter Savoy, from the University of Denver, has scored, I think he's got five goals in four games, and he scored them all against the top three teams in the country outside of his. Yeah. And it's just been remarkable to see the poise that that this young kid has shown. And so those are two guys that that have kind of jumped off the, the chart that's you right away. There's a defenseman in Omaha named Jason Smollage, who I, I really think has been very good for them. Become a good puck mover. Omaha's got this big, long defense, and they are so well positioned defensively that they're really hard to get through. They remind me more of the teams in the East than they do the teams in the NCHC. There's the old adage that the teams in our in our conference here, you know, you got to give a piece of skin to go to the net in the East. It's a little bit more tactical, and Omaha's got a little bit of the crossbreed here. They've got big defensemen who can pound you, but they're not overly physical, but you can't get through them. And I think it's one of the reasons why, why Omaha has done well, but they're, they're certainly a team to watch. I've, I've enjoyed watching them play. they you know, Mike Gavin and his group is, has got this team really moving on and, and you mentioned the Huskies. They are so fast. If you blink, you miss them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I, I, they've always been fast. I think they got faster. And it's fun to hear their coaches tell the players play faster. You know, dictate pace without the puck, be there first. Get on loose pucks, force things to happen, and and go north and go downhill quick. Uh, St. Cloud State is as fun a team to watch as there is in the conference.
3: At one point during one of the broadcasts, you were talking about Miami, and you said this is a team that by the end of the pod or the bubble might be the most improved of the teams that are uh, playing here in the NCHC. Now they're 0 and 4 right now, but have you seen that steady improvement from uh, the RedHawks?
1: I re- I have, and you know one thing I want to I want to bring out. I talked a little bit about the buy in from Miami. And, and the, it seems that like there's a little bit better buy-in right now, you know, in Chris Bergeron's second year. And and what I meant by that was from year one to year two, there has been a major change in the the culture in their dressing room. Enrico Blasi, when he was there, created the brotherhood for Miami Hockey for 20 years. And, and they had a ton, I mean, a ton of success, back-to-back national championship appearances and, you know, always threatening to be number one in the CCHA. I mean, they had it rolling. And then, you know, since joining the NCHC, you know, they kind of went up and down a bit. And, and unfortunately, you know, Rico lost his job and Chris Bergeron came in. And last year, I think it was a matter of getting everybody on board and just a new way of doing things in the transition and transitional years to be tough on anybody. And it, it just didn't go very well. He feels like this year they have taken a major step in the right direction and. They recruited eight new guys and they kind of laid down the gauntlet. And, you know, they said, here's the line. Either you cross over it and you come with us or you don't. And a couple of players decided they weren't and left. And and the returning guys have have really been dialed into to what Chris Bergeron wants. And that is a high tempo, energetic, enthusiastic style. They defend much harder than they did last year. That that is one thing I will give them. They are defending hard. They're competing, and they've gotten really, really good goaltending out of their two kids. Hmm. So games aren't falling apart on them. So, like, in the third period, Miami is in games. And as they continue along and and they improve, as this program continues along to recruit some scorers, I think that this team will, this program will be back to where it was. But I have seen a major difference between Miami of last year and Miami of this year for sure.
3: Dave Starman is my guest, a broadcaster extraordinaire, as I uh, stumble across my words. But uh, the the (laughs) UMD Bulldogs uh, still, I guess, technically defending champs, right? Uh, Two-time uh, defending national champs uh, again, off to a uh, a four and zero start. This team is very different, though, from last year's club. As uh, lots of young faces on the blue line, although a guy like Wyatt Kaiser, boy, I've been impressed with him. Uh, and Ryan Fanti, that has been a uh, a revolution here as well. The Bulldogs just seem to keep keep on going uh, despite the, all the roster changes.
1: You, it's it's a good point by you. The most interesting thing about watching UMD. Is how well they manage games. Uh, they don't care if they're down a goal, tied, up a goal. It doesn't matter. They almost don't play to the scoreboard. They play to the shift, and they're really good at it. And in all these games, they've been down at some point, and they they keep coming back. and And their power play has been on fire, and they're they're underrated offensively, in my opinion. And the one big question that was coming in was, you know, you have to replace Scott Perunovich. Dylan Sandberg, and Nick Wolf, Mm -hmm. who all in their own way were game changers. Perunovic with his great offensive play and and how well he can defend. Sandberg was sneaky good with his offense, and he was a big rig and a physical force. And, you know, Nick Wolf was just an assassin uh, uh, back at his own end. I mean, it was a great stick. Nothing got by him, pounded you to to the end of the earth, and was great in the locker room. So you have to replace three big horses on the back end, and Hunter Shepard, who might have been the best goaltender in the country, the last two years, and, and by all means, redefine what goaltending means in that program. Ryan Fanty has been the story of the pod to be in goal. Zach Stasekall came in the other night, and he played terrific. So you've got two. You got goaltending established with UMD, much like you have at Miami now. They've, their new kids have come in and been in live fire and played well. And they're getting timely scoring. Nick Sweeney's been great. Kobe Roth has been terrific. Noah Cates, that was a draft choice of the Flyers, have been great. Sweeney's a Minnesota draft. Cole Kepke and his speed has been terrific. He's a draft pick of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And you mentioned Kaiser, who's a draft pick of Chicago. Kaiser's been good. And he, he I don't think anybody replaces what Scott Perunovich gave you. But Kaiser is going to make up some of the difference left behind when Perunovich left.
3: Uh, I'm going to go back to Denver for a sec because you mentioned Carter Savoy. And we know him well up in this neck of the woods because he's uh, from here, as is uh, Michael Benning and those two teammates for a long time. Uh, and best friends off the ice forever. But they, they go to Denver this year. And, you know, I remember uh, speaking with uh, Coach Montgomery back when Will Butcher left the program. And I said, you got a good one. And Ian Mitchell coming in, basically going to replace him. And it seems like Mitchell's replacement is uh, is Michael Benning. Uh, just seems to have picked up right where he's left off. Uh, and that's that's helped the Pioneers. Even though their record isn't that great, they've been pretty fun to watch.
1: They are well, prior to their win against North Dakota, I said to a few people, they're the best 0-3 team I have ever watched. <laughs> and I just think, you know, Magnus Crone is their goalie, and I think he's a really good goalie. I just think he's given up a couple of softies here through the first three games th- during the losses, because Denver's played pretty well. And I, I mean, I don't pin losses on goalies. I just thought there were a couple of leakers that I thought he should have had. But Denver actually has played pretty well. And now they got to win against North Dakota, who's the number one team in the country, which in the NCHC is not a surprise. I mean, everybody in this conference can can beat everybody. Yeah. And they're off and running. But Savoy, uh, Savoy's got a wrist shot that it reminds me of, I mean, think of a great NHLer with a great wrist shot. And he's got one. You know what I mean? It's just like Derek King had a great wrist shot. And he reminds me a little bit of, of the way Derek used to shoot the puck. And I mean, it's accurate, it's hard, it's heavy. And Benning has been great on that back end. and. Think about the unbelievable defensemen that have come out of this conference. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, we keep talking about who gets replaced. I mean, the, uh, who, the guys who are being replaced are all guys that are going into the NHL and, and are becoming good players at the NHL level. And Denver is, is, has reloaded very well. Savoy's a draft pick of the Oilers. Mike Benning's a draft pick of the, of the Florida Panthers. Brett Stapley has been real good uh, as a second line centerman. He's a draft choice of the Canadians. They lose Bobby Brink to the world junior team draft choice of the Flyers and Cole Gutman has been pretty good. He's been out for a game or two just because of some illness, but not COVID-related. He's a draft choice of the Tampa Bay Lightning, as is been Webster, who's also been really good from up front. So De- Denver is in good shape, and it wouldn't shock me if starting 0-3, if they walked out of here 6-4, and hmm. and none of the coaches in his conference I talked to would have said the same thing, they wouldn't be stunned either.
3: Dave, how does the, uh, the compressed schedule change things uh, for the teams and how they plan? And, you know, goaltenders are going to get rotated more, players are going to get played differently you might uh, rotate the uh, run all four lines a little bit more than you might on a regular basis have you seen differences just because of how i mean instead of playing on a friday and a saturday you
1: you might be playing four games a week i've said to people this is kind of like silver sticks meets the world juniors you know just with the way this is going you've got all eight teams here and everybody's kind of on top of each other players are watching other players games and teams are always around the rinks no matter what game is going on, and everybody's in the same hotels or the same two hotels. It's kind of a unique environment. But yeah. in terms of the impact on the teams, the one thing a lot of the coaches are talking about is is moving players in and out of the lineup. And I asked a couple of them yesterday, are you getting to that point right now where you have to manage minutes and guys that are power play guys will not kill penalties and vice versa and you know rotating the goalies? Only Isaiah Seville of, of Omaha has gone the route. So far, And all the coaches have been like, yes, we are really managing minutes and we are managing practice time. And a lot of our practice times, we're now fine tuning more on the tactical side because they did so much of the technical in the training camp leading up to the games. They got an extended two months of, of skill development stuff. So they're not doing as much flow. They're not doing as much skill work. They're doing more tactical stuff here because it's less impact on the body. And the biggest challenge, I think, for the coaches was getting their guys to sleep. Everybody was so amped up to play Hmm. that most of the teams have those bands that measure your sleep. And all the coaches have been saying in the first couple of games, they couldn't get their guys to bed at all because they were so amped up from playing. So it's the the routine, everybody's out of their routine. You know, nobody's used to being in a hotel for, you know, for 14 straight days in, in college hockey. And nobody's used to playing a pro schedule in college hockey with games. Coaches and staff have had to make adjustments on how they pre-scout. It's kind of like each coach gets a team to look out for with the upcoming games coming up. It's not like a group effort anymore where you're gearing down for five days on one team for the weekend. So everybody's out of their comfort zone from from the equipment guys to the broadcast guys to the coaches to the players. And you know what? We're all having a ball. It works. And this might be a, a smaller version of this for seasonal kickoffs moving down the road for each conference. This might be something to look into. It's, I'm telling you, it's like a big youth hockey showcase with everybody here.
3: I've got to admit I'm loving it uh, that I can watch a college game every night, at least one, uh, and most nights there's two or three. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, fun for, uh, for viewers, I would have to think. Um, you mentioned the World Junior Championship. Now a lot of guys have left to, to join uh, Team USA, or at least the camp, and uh, we'll see where things go from there. But how does that change some of the rosters here? Does that hurt some teams more than others?
1: Well, North Dakota lost two big time defensemen in Clevin and Sanderson. So I, they, they took a little bit of a hit and those two kids were, were pretty good in, in their opening games. And Bobby Brink has left from Denver and he is just a, he is an absolute game changer. He made a pass the other night, guy, that was, it was just an NHL play. He came down a right wing side. He had a forward going to the net, was split the D like he should. And you would think that from right where Brink was about eight feet inside the blue line on the boards, he was just going to put one to the front of the net. and and let the forward go into the net, crash and bang. Instead, I think he found Benning on the left-wing side of the ice, sneaking in late, and he saucered a tape-to-tape pass to him on the opposite faceoff dot, and Benning scored. It was an unbelievable play. So you lose a guy like Bobby Brink, who, to me, his vision is is as good as any of the other parts of his skill set. And those are the guys that that have left here that are the big impact guys. And uh, like we talked about earlier, you know, I'm, I'm eagerly anticipating the Road Juniors to go off, and but with what's going on right now, I think every day the the odds change a little.
3: Yeah, yeah, we're seeing some complications there for unfortunately. sure. Unfortunately. Uh, lastly, with the success here of the pod, um, you, you mentioned maybe we see it uh, for other seasons and the way to start the year off. But might the NCHC? I know they've got the schedule already laid out for the second half. But if this is going so well, is there a way they could maybe repeat this? Uh, in uh, in early 2021, and might some of the other conferences try to it?
1: I will tell you this, it, it, with the success of this, I am sure that everybody would be open to this idea again. And when the, when this was proposed to the coaches before the season, they were all like, originally it was supposed to be about eight games, and they were all like, let's make it 10, let's make it 11. Like, everybody loved the idea. Yeah. And for the geographical location of a lot of the teams in the NCHC, the goal was to not put anybody on a plane in the second half. That was the number one thought process coming into this was what can we do to get the games against teams that have to fly to each other so that teams don't have to fly there to ensure better safety for them amid the pandemic. So, you know, like Duluth, Minnesota, Duluth, and St. Cloud will not play here because that's a bus trip for both teams. They'll play in the second half. So that was part of the idea. But if you look around, if you look around college hockey, like the ECAC could pull something like this off because Even though nobody really has to fly to each other, you got some teams that are way apart. So you might be able to get some games out of the way in a showcase. And uh, the WCHA possibility, Hockey East, everybody's kind of on top of each other. So I'm not quite sure it fits their their model. But I think moving forward, this is an idea for teams to look at. And in the second half, I guarantee you, if they propose this plan to the NCHC teams, they jump on it in about two seconds. This thing has been a roaring success.
3: Yeah, Kudos to uh, everybody involved uh, that has uh, set up the, the pod in Omaha. Dave, really appreciate your time, and uh, I know you got a busy schedule, because you got a couple games uh, tonight, and then a bunch more after that, in the World Junior Championship uh, following that. Uh, I really appreciate
1: your time. Great to catch up again. Stay safe. I appreciate you having me on, as always. Take care of yourself. Have a Merry Christmas. We will chat during the World Juniors.
3: Dave Starman, and I've got to tell you, this has been uh, a good opportunity for me to get to hear Dave in action. When I've heard him On broadcasts in the past, it's usually during the Frozen Four. He's in studio. He's like the intermission analyst. I know he does color normally throughout the season, but usually I don't get those games. Uh, This time I've been able to watch a bunch of the games when he is part of the broadcast team. He's doing color. He's fantastic. He does such a great job of breaking uh, plays down and breaking the game down. And interesting tidbits and stories on all the players, the coaches, the teams, history of the game. I'm glad that Dave's been a part of the Pipeline show for so long now, and it's before I realized how good he is as a color guy. I always just knew he was a great analyst of college hockey, but to get to hear him do what his normal gig is, uh, fantastic. And there's a good reason he is a scout for, has been a scout for uh, Montreal in the past and Toronto in the past. Currently a scout for the Seattle Kraken. Easy to see why. People would value his opinion, because I certainly do. That wraps up this week's episode of the show. Thanks to the three guests that you did hear from that joined me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Next week on the show, we're going to look closer at both Team Russia and Team Finland, which means it's that time again for Slava Malamud and Yoni uh, Nieminen, who I get every year to talk about those two teams. Probably also look at uh, Canada again, uh, now that the uh, final roster is put together. We've done the U.S., we've done the Swedes, and there might also be a uh, former WHL player who's been playing in Europe this uh, this fall getting back to North America uh, with the hopes of starting up the NHL season. Uh, that uh, tentative right now, but he's agreed to come on. We just got to kind of uh, settle on a time and a day, and hopefully it works out. Don't want to jinx it. But a loaded show coming up next week, too. Before I say goodbye, just a reminder to leave a rating and a comment wherever you get your copy of the podcast uh, from. Check out patreon.com slash the pipeline show if you would like early access to all the interviews that you hear on a full episode of the show they're usually out three or four days sometimes before the a full episode is released so you'd get to hear those before everybody else and last but not least christmas just a couple of weeks away i'm really concerned with uh, how that is going to uh, change the covid landscape in uh, in the uh, not just in canada or in the united states or north america but around the world Uh, take care of yourselves use your head wear your masks do all the social distancing and uh, don't gather in large groups if you can avoid it be kind and do a favor for your neighbors vaccines are on the way but it's going to be a while until we can put the pandemic behind us it's nice to know we have a light at the end of the tunnel but we got to get to the end of the tunnel so be smart everybody till next week my name is Guy Flaming see ya